chapter eight of molly's prince this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. molly's prince by rosa newshet carey chapter eight molly's baby house within tis all divinely fair no care can enter my retreat tis but a castle in the air but you and i are in it sweet helen marion fernside it is necessary to retrace our steps a little for it was not until much later that waveney executed her pas de soeur in the moonlight miss harford had kept her word and waveney was deposited at sloane street station punctually at seven and before the quarter had struck she was walking quickly up cleveland terrace molly whose state of mind by this time baffled description was on the balcony watching for her and had the door opened before waveney was at the gate a few hurried questions and answers had been interchanged and then they had heard their father's latch-key in the door oh dear oh dear why is father so dreadfully early this evening exclaimed molly in a lamentable voice never mind returned waveney philosophically we must just wait until bedtime and then won't we make a night of it moll but father will hear us and rap on the wall observed molly fretfully and tell us to go to sleep like good children oh no he won't if we curl ourselves on the window-seat it is a big room and our voices won't reach him molly dear remember nothing is to be said to father to-night he is far too tired for fresh worries to-morrow i will take him for a prowl and talk to him severely no as molly looked at her wistfully i must have him all to myself i can manage him more easily so run down to him now dear while i take off my hat and then i will join you molly did as she was told and thanks to waveney's management they had another merry evening monsieur blackie was the leading topic waveney was quite touched when molly handed her the bouquet with a little speech but noel entirely spoilt it by croaking out in an absurd voice you're much and eternally obliged monsieur blackie hold your tongue you young rascal returned mr ward in high good humour mr ingram is a gentleman and shows that he knows what good manners are manners make man observed molly slyly and then noel exploded again he was the coolest hand i ever knew he replied if he were his grace the duke of wellington he could not have lorded it better you are a humorist my young friend i should like to have given him one for his impudence and then the cheek of telling the wobbly one that he would call again mr ward frowned no i will not have you call molly by that name a jest is a jest but it must not be carried too far peg-top then returned noel unabashed by this rebuke for behind his father's back he winked at molly but he was not a bad sort of chap he would be rather useful on an east windy dismal sort of a day he would make you feel cheerful 
i like a fellow who can take a joke without turning rusty over it and from noel this was high praise molly thought the evening dreadfully long and she fidgeted so much and looked at the clock so often that her father called her drowsy head and begged her to go to bed but this made her redden with confusion and then when they were safe in their room waveney chose to be ridiculous and cut capers but as soon as her little song was finished she produced an old shepherd's plaid rug which was known in family annals as the lamb and they both crept under it and tucked up their feet on the window-seat and felt cosy and if an artist could have drawn the picture it would have made his fortune for the rough old plaid set off molly's exquisite face and glorious golden-brown hair to perfection while waveney's looked fair and infantine in the moonlight waveney was the talker now and molly was the listener but every now and then there were little interjections of surprise and admiration at the description of fairy magnificent molly drew in her breath and said oh miss harford's ugliness rather shocked her she said it was a great pity and waveney had never been used to live with ugly people which was perfectly true she thought queen elizabeth's wraith a rather far-fetched description she could not endure queen bess she was such an unladylike person and boxed gentlemen's ears and if miss althea were like her but here waveney interposed don't be a little goose moll she is like queen elizabeth and you would say the same yourself if you saw her but she is so nice and gentle that i am sure i shall soon love her well let me go on i want to tell you about the red house then molly sighed with satisfaction and composed herself to listen molly with all her sweetness and goodness was a little sybarite at heart she loved pretty things fine house gems beautiful dresses mr ward had been almost shocked when he had taken her one day to bond street to look at the shops it was impossible to get her away from the jewellers the diamond tiaras and necklets riveted her who buys them dad she had asked in quite a loud voice dukes and earls and those sort of people yes of course returned mr ward a little impatiently and the prince of wales i dare say for he was rather provoked at the attention the child was exciting two gentlemen who were passing and had overheard molly's remarks smiled at each other what a beautiful child observed one he was a tall old man with a fine benevolent face you are right duke returned the other with a supercilious laugh some little rustic come to town for the first time come molly observed her father rather crossly we must not take up the pavement in this way or the bobby will be telling us to move on and then molly had limped on until another shop window attracted her mr ward had felt a little perplexed by molly's insatiable appetite for pretty things and on their return home he unbosomed himself to waveney all girls like shops he said seriously and i knew molly would be pleased but i never expected her to glue her face to the glass for half an hour at a time she made herself quite conspicuous and several people laughed at her molly must be better behaved next time returned waveney smiling father dear i don't think it matters really molly is young and she leads such a quiet life and sees so few things that when she goes out she just loses her head 
i think she continued calmly that she does care for pretty things more than most people she would love to be rich and dress grandly and have pictures and jewels and beautiful things when we were tiny children she always would make me read the story of cinderella nothing else pleased her don't you care for pretty things too waveney asked her father a little sadly oh yes dad all girls care a little i think but i am not always longing for them like mollie she makes up stories to amuse herself some one is to leave us a fortune and we are all to be rich suddenly she has actually imagined a house and fitted it up bit by bit and just for the fun of the thing i have helped her it is our playhouse you know but mollie thinks it quite real if you say to her let us go down to kitlands her eyes brighten and she looks quite happy you are foolish children observed mr ward fondly who would have thought that my sweet moll had been such a little worldling at heart no dad you must not say that worldly people are selfish and mollie has not a selfish thought it is just a pretty childish fancy i sometimes believe in kitlands myself we have talked about it so often on windy nights i have seen the oaks tossing their branches in the park and the deer huddling under them and the west room where we always sit of an evening with the bay window and how the red firelight streams out on the terrace and there is a delicious couch by the fire with a lovely japanese screen behind it and but here mr ward put his hand over the girl's mouth do you think i am going to be entertained by a description of your baby house he said in mock wrath tell mollie she ought to be grown up by this time but when he was left alone he said to himself now why in the world should they have hit on that name kitlands don't i recollect that sunny evening when i walked up the terrace and the red light streamed from the west room he sighed then roused himself bless their dear innocent hearts now if only their mother could have heard all that mollie was perfectly ravished with the description of the red house and as soon as waveney paused to take breath she said why it is almost as nice as kitlands only there is no park and no deer but i wish i had thought of a peacock then she put her head on one side and reflected deeply there is the italian garden you know wave a sundial would do very nicely there and we could choose an inscription but waveney gave her a little push don't be such a baby mollie we are getting too old for kitlands we must put our playhouse away with the dear old dolls but seriously is it not perfectly delicious to think we shall be together every sunday yes that will be nice of course but is it really settled wave and mollie's voice was full of melancholy i think so dear but of course i must talk to father darling promise me that you will try and make the best of it the week will pass so quickly and then when sunday comes we shall be together i dare say i shall be with you by half-past three just after father and noel have started for their afternoon walk i shall come to the station and meet you interrupted mollie will you how nice that will be and we shall have a cosy hour on grumps and you shall tell me all your worries every one of them and i will tell mine then when father comes in you and noel shall get tea ready and dad and i will have a little talk and after tea we will sing all our favourite hymns and then we will go to st michael's together and i will have my old place by father 
yes and then we will all go to the station with you but oh wave how shall i hate monday mornings i shall never feel cheerful until wednesday is over but waveney would not hear of this she preached quite a little homily on the duty of cultivating cheerfulness but her eloquence died a natural death when she saw molly nod and ten minutes later they were both asleep it was a free morning with mr ward and he was not at all surprised when waveney invited him to take a prowl won't molly prowl too he asked as he noticed her wistful expression but waveney shook her head molly was an idle girl yesterday she remarked severely she must stay in and finish her menu-card there you shall have the black prince's flowers to console you and waveney placed them on the painting-table sweets to the sweet they are as much yours as mine molly then molly blushed a little guiltily more than once the thought had passed through her mind how nice it would be if she had a monsieur blackie to bring her hot-house flowers for molly was very human and certainly a creature not too bright and good for human nature's daily food and she had her girlish weaknesses not that she envied waveney her flowers but as she sniffed them delightedly her imagination conjured up numberless bouquets for miss molly ward only the donor must be tall and fair not a little dark frenchified artist like monsieur blackie waveney chatted to her father quite gaily until they had crossed the lime avenue and had reached the landing stage then they walked a little way down the embankment and sat down on a bench under a shady tree it was still early and there were few passengers only now and then a river steamer passed churning the blue water into light foamy waves two or three children were bowling their hoops followed by a panting pug waveney cleared her voice rather nervously then she slid her hand into her father's arm everard could see the worn little glove fingers on his coat sleeve he stared at the white seams dreamily as he listened he was a man who noticed trifles there was a feminine element in his character that little shabby grey glove appealed to him forcibly father dear i have something to tell you that is why i did not want molly to come it is so much easier to talk about difficult things to only one person waveney's voice was not as clear as usual will you promise to listen dearest without interrupting me mr ward nodded but his face was a little grave what could the child have to say waveney told her story very fully she gave her father a description of the red house and very magnificent but she never mentioned miss harford's name she spoke of them vaguely as the ladies and you have settled all this without speaking to me and there was a hurt look on mr ward's face then waveney nestled closer to him father dear i wanted to tell you i want to tell you everything but you were so tired and i thought it would be kinder to wait until i had spoken to the ladies the ladies what ladies have they no name he asked irritably yes dear of course they have returned the girl gently their name is harford then he turned round a little quickly harford oh i dare say there are plenty of that name i know erpingham noel and i walked there one sunday afternoon but i do not remember the red house no it stands in a lane you have to go through some white gates they have not always been at erpingham they used to live in surrey then she felt him start slightly i suppose you did not hear their christian names he asked a little anxiously oh yes dad i did the ugly one she was very nice but she is terribly plain was called doreen and the pale fair one like queen elizabeth was althea then it was evident that mr ward was completely taken aback 
doreen and althea he muttered it must be the same with what a singular coincidence waveney my child tell me one thing was the name of the house in surrey kitlands i don't know father they never told me but stay a moment there was a picture in miss harford's sitting-room of an old elizabethan house standing in a park and under it was written kitlands park i meant to tell molly about that it is the same it must be the same he returned in a low voice the names are too uncommon yes and it is true althea was a little like queen elizabeth i would have given five years of my life if this had not happened it is one of the little ironies of fate that my girl should have gone to them oh why father asked waveney piteously her father's look of bitterness filled her with dismay why was he so disturbed so unlike himself he did not even hear her question he got up from the bench quickly and walked to the railings another steamer was passing mr ward looked after it with vague unseeing eyes everard ward was a proud man in spite of his easy-going ways he had had his ambitions his aspirations and yearnings he had set his ideal high and yet for want of ballast he had suffered shameful shipwreck at the beginning of life he had had his good things health good looks talents and friends doors had opened to him kindly hands had been held out to him and one of them a woman's hand but he had turned away in youthful caprice and had chosen his own path he had meant to have carved his own fortunes to have painted pictures that would have made the name of everard ward famous and he was only a drawing-master who painted little third-rate pot-boilers how everard loathed his poverty his shabby coat and molly's pitiful little makeshifts and contrivances were all alike hateful to him too well he remembered the flesh-pots of egypt the goshen of his youth where he had fared sumptuously when he had money to spend and the world smiled at him and then like a fool the very prince of fools he had flung it all away he had made a mess of his life but he was not without his blessings and in his better moments when the children were singing their hymns perhaps he would tell himself humbly that he was not worthy of them but as he stood by the river that morning it seemed to him as though the cup of his humiliation was full to the very dregs he had so broken with his old life that few ghostly visitants from the dim past troubled him and now there had started up in his path the two women whom he most dreaded to see and one of them he had wronged when hot with a young man's passion and tempted by dorothy's sweet eyes and girlish grace he had drawn back suddenly and selfishly from the woman he had been wooing well he had dearly loved his wife but the disgrace of that shameful infidelity was never effaced from his memory it was a blot a stain upon his manhood a sore spot that often made him wince would he ever forget that day they were in the old walled garden gathering peaches and althea had just handed him one hot with the sun and crimson tinted and bursting with sweetness you always give me the best of everything althea he had said but he was thinking of dorothy as he said it and of her love for peaches i like to give you the best the very best althea had answered sweetly and her eyes had been so wistful and tender that he had felt vaguely alarmed how he had made his meaning clear to her he never could remember he had spoken of dorothy and perhaps his voice had trembled for all at once she had become very silent and there was no more gathering of peaches i must go in now she had said suddenly and he noticed her lips were pale doreen wants me yes i understand everard and you have my best wishes my best wishes 
and then he had stood still and watched her a tall slim figure in white moving between the fruit trees and carrying her head proudly and it is to althea harford that my daughter has applied for a situation thought everard sadly and again he told himself that he was draining the cup of humiliation to the very dregs End of chapter eight